0: Ready?
1: Our evening began in Peter Sechel's comfortable study in
0: his New York townhouse. Welcome to the official, unofficial Beastie Boys podcast known as the Bruhaha. My name is Jim Shear, and as promised, joining us this week, the Prince of Sides, Andre Kelman. Andre, welcome officially to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. We spoke a couple years ago. That wasn't for the brouhaha. That was for the Jim Shear Show. And even though we played your origin story last time on the brouhaha, this is your official first time on the brouhaha. Good to be here. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So what we're going to do today is we are going to listen to Hot Sauce Committee Part 2 in its entirety. And maybe it'll jog some memories and stories on your end. Uh, If it doesn't, maybe we'll just have a sing-along. And if it doesn't do either of those, then we'll just listen to Hot Sauce Committee Part 2. That sounds great. Yeah, I can't wait to dive in. (laughs) And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to play the entire album. And then at the end, I'm going to play B-Boys in the Cut and Pop Your Balloon. Two songs that were supposed to be, well, they were supposed to be on Hot Sauce Committee Part 1. But then when Part 2 came out, they were relegated to B-Sides.
1: I know I'm so bummed. Uh, B boys in the cut was definitely one of my faves for slated when it was slated to be
0: on uh, the first release. And those are still like two of my favorite songs from all of these. We'll we'll, we'll talk about it. So, uh, are you ready on your end, Andre? <laughs> I
1: am. Yeah. Let's all right. Do
0: I'm ready on my end. This is the 10th anniversary plus one of Hot Sauce Committee Part Two. I was gonna <laughs> do this last year. I never got to it. So it's the 11th anniversary of Hot Sauce Committee Part 2, in case you're wondering. And we could. We could do this at year 20. But why wait that long? (laughs) Right? All right. Here we go. Uh, Track number one off of Hot Sauce Committee Part 2, which was released by the Beastie Boys in 2011. Here is Make Some Noise. All right. Do you remember when this one was recorded? Was it early in the process? Late in the process?
1: No, this was pretty late in the process. Ooh.
0: Um,
1: yeah, and they kind of came together very, very quickly. Um, it's kind of like thing just Mike and Adam playing in just jamming on that riff and for reference anytime i'm talking about uh adam i'm talking about adam Horowitz. if i'm talking about (laughs) yao i'm talking about yao okay okay it seems redundant to say adam and adam right right Um, yeah so it was just mike and adam just jamming on that riff for a little bit and then yao joined in and yeah, the song kind of came together very, very quickly, like the
0: instrumental part of it. So when you say then, riff, is that ad rock on the keys? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So he's just like, wah, 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 wah. Yeah. And then Mike's on the drums. That's
1: right. Yeah.
0: Wow. So when this is being recorded, did you think, oh yeah, this is going to be the lead single off their new album?
1: I did it initially because there were so many other songs on the record that I thought were going to be the first single. So, to me, this was just another great song on the record, just, uh, you know, um, along with the rest of them. So, at no point in time I was like, oh, this is going to be the first single because, again, <laughs> there were so many other great songs on the well, record. Well, I
0: guess technically. When it was Hot Sauce Committee Part 1, was Too Many Rappers the first single? Or was that going to be the first single? Because then they performed that at Bonnaroo with Nas.
1: That was was technically, yeah, I guess the first single. And that was the old version of the song.
0: Correct. Which we'll talk about. Which we'll talk about in (laughs) three songs from now. Yeah. And you told me two years ago that the Beastie Boys were recording their vocals in the control room with the music really loud? Um, yeah, that's. I can't really get into the technicals too much. Um, <laughs> did, you, did you forget or you just can't say?
1: I just can't say. Why? Why can't you say? This is the time to say it. <laughs> I know. I kind of swore up and down that I wouldn't reveal their tips and tricks and secrets on how they achieve their sound. Oh,
0: okay. Did you sign a, an NDA? Or is I, it just like a handshake? I did sign an NDA, but also
1: a uh, a non-verbal NDA as well.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, or a, a verbal NDA?
1: Sorry, a verbal NDA. A sorry, verbal, okay, Yeah. yeah. All right,
0: <laughs> verbal NDA. All right, well, it's a great song. To me, yeah. second best opening track off of a Beastie Boys album. Oh, really? What's your first? Sure shot. Oh, or, oh you know, no, no, no. You know what? I, I changed that. It's it's my second favorite lead single off of a Beastie Boys album. Intergalactic okay. is my favorite. There we go.
1: Okay. Yeah, I mean. Compete with that, All right, sure.
0: so this is uh track number two, Non-Stop Disco Power Pack. So, Andre, when I'm listening to Hot Sauce Committee Part 2 for the first time, just because of the title, I thought it would be this electric orgy. I did not think it would be a stripped-down track like this. I know, yeah.
1: Um, This actually got recorded... A little bit before I came on board, like the basics. Whoa. Yeah, uh, I can't take credit for all of the (laughs) recordings. There was another engineer that uh, worked with the band at Oscilloscope before I did when they started this. Yeah, if he
0: was so good, they wouldn't need (laughs) to. No (laughs) comments. But <laughs> well, when you so when you start working at Oscope, are they like, um, here, Andre? This is a song we were working on. It's called Nonstop Disco Power Pack.
1: Yeah, at some point that came up like that, but um, it was you know it was always very casual about like, oh, why don't we open up this song and see what you know what state it's in, what we can add to it if it's a song they haven't touched in a little while. It'd always be a process of like. Looking at the track list and uh, the songs in progress. Because there's always, you know, like 30, 40 songs on like that are constantly being updated in progress. Something being changed, something being added. Um, trying out new ideas all the time. You know, when, so do, when do they
0: decide to tweak these songs? They roll into O-Scope one day and they say, you know what? Today is nonstop disco power pack day. Let's Basically, give this yeah. a tweak.
1: Basically, yeah, we would kind of just sit around after everybody got there and had like a 15-20 minute, you know, breakfast or whatever, <laughs> a little morning hang, and then we'd sit down in the studio and see what um, songs are, you know, have recently been worked on, what songs haven't been touched in a while, what... Again, like what they can open up and tweak on a song. So this was sort of in my memory in a pretty like finished state until like the mix. There was maybe actually, maybe the instrumental was on it. This one, yeah, this one is kind of like throwing a blank for me because. But you know what I like
0: about this, how they tweak the vocals.
1: Oh, yeah, this was definitely something in the mix that...
0: Like, they're, Yow... they're bended like you would bend, like, a, a piece of instrumentation. Exactly, yeah,
1: that effect is called comb filtering. <laughs> <laughs> so, that is when you have... <laughs> that's when you use a digital delay, and the delay time is very, very small, like, only a few milliseconds. And certain digital delays, when you push them that way... Um, they produced a sound called comb filtering. Basically, it's the sound, the same sound being repeated very, very quick, and so it gives us like crazy psychedelic
0: uh, electronic sound. You you did that very nicely. You could have said, "You dumb shit, that's not what it's called." But you said, "Listen, it's that's called comb filtering." But yeah, they um, the guys
1: always use these effects, like basically like instruments.
0: But that. That happens in post, right?
1: That that was uh, actually... That effect Yauk started messing around with literally during mixing. Okay. That, that whole uh, track stayed basically dry. Or not dry, but unaffected. With that effect, up until...
0: Until the, the mixing. Very,
1: very, until mixing, yeah. All
0: right, so now we're on to track number three. Okay, once again, we are celebrating the 10th anniversary of Hot Sauce Committee Part 2. One year late. To me, Andre, I've said this a gazillion times, this reminds me of a lost BS2000 song. Oh, totally. Was was there ever discussion? I mean, this is like in my... This is me just dreaming up what the Beastie Boys are talking about. But Ad-Rock walks into the studio and he's like, you know what, I was going to save this for the next BS2000 album, but I don't know when that's going to happen, so let's just use it for a Beastie Boys song. Maybe there was a conversation like that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember.
1: (laughs) But this, yeah, I could see that. This being on um, that record for sure. And there's so many layers and different details that the guys meticulously tweaked and added all the time. So... Yeah, this, this is a good example of that because there's so many crazy fucking things going on. <laughs> with the synths, the drum machines, plus the vocals, the background vocals. There's so many fucking cool things going on.
0: But you know the story how they wanted to create the instrumentation so it sounded like they sampled from an original source. And then yep. they put the fake samples within the liner notes of the album. And it went over everyone's head because at that point in time, not a lot of people are buying hard copies of albums anymore. So they didn't get to read the liner notes and get in on the joke.
1: Yeah, we would spend sometimes full days of making fake songs.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But would you say, like, let's pretend this is like a little clip of a song from the 1970s. It doesn't sound grimy enough. Let's put a little more dirt on that. Oh, yeah, totally.
1: And that's why... Yeah, at, at Oscilloscope, we had a big arsenal of old-school, vintage, lo-fi microphones that could achieve that sound.
0: How, how old were you when you were recording this album?
1: So I turned 21 when I started working for the band.
0: That's insane! And you you knew how to work all that equipment? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean,
1: yeah, I had a little bit of a... Um, experience at that point working in in a big studio called Soundtrack where I learned a lot of different techniques working with bands like Joan Jett and Trans-Siberian Orchestra and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, all kinds of bands.
0: At the age of 21. Yeah. (laughs) I was still recording on a $50 karaoke machine when I was 21. I was nowhere near the Prince of Sides. All right, so this is track number four, Too Many Rappers. Which is one of my favorite tracks of all time. Oh, my goodness. So, this Andre, is so fucking crazy. Andre, I had a, an episode of the Brouhaha not too long ago. My top ten least favorite Beastie Boy songs. This is my third least favorite Beastie Boys song of all time. We, we wow. might have to duke it out right now. So wow. why? What is I'm it about? For me? No, that. Andre, for me? Like, the song feels like 15 minutes long. And if it was so good, why did Yaup change it? Because um, he wanted to make it
1: crazy. <laughs> it wasn't crazy enough. It was a little bit more subdued. We actually changed this song as... We were mixing it, believe it or not. See, I felt,
0: a- I felt you only do that if you feel like the song's not strong enough.
1: Um, and, I mean, maybe that's true, but I feel like when, once we changed it and added a different line to it, that do, 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 right, like this.
0: Yeah, no, I I get it. Like I know the original, and I know the new reactionaries version, and I was still thinking, oh man, like it's still not there. Really? Okay. Well, now I agree
1: to disagree.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but in the book, Adam and Mike say that they had no idea that Yauk reworked the entire track. Was yeah, there so was there any brouhaha in the studio on the day they found out?
1: There was some discussions for sure, um,
0: heated he discussions.
1: Um, yeah, the band discussed this a little bit of the the blatant change of the different baseline and
0: did it make you feel awkward? Were you like, oh, mommy and daddy, don't fight, don't do this?
1: No, because I was fully on board with this change, and it so you definitely- were
0: you were team Yauk.
1: I was like, damn, this sounds fucking crazy. It's like next level shit. Something like least expected of on a, like I don't know on a hip-hop song. A hip hop song. To to have this crazy ass bass line.
0: Now did Naz uh, ever come uh, into the studio? No, you uh, wait, you so, were gonna say something. I don't I don't wanna so listen, disrupt your this, flow. This
1: this synth solo. Yes. Crazy ass instrument, which is a circuit bent like homemade synth inside of a pill bottle.
0: <laughs> who who did that? Was that Ad-Rock? I think that was Adam. Yeah, Ad-Rock. Alright, so, so back to Nas. Did he ever come into the studio for this or he just sent in his track?
1: Yeah, he just sent like his verses uh, remotely. He did it in his own studio and sent it remotely. Okay. So you never got to see
0: Nas record in Oscope.
1: No, but, you know, I met him at a, a Bonnaroo.
0: Oh, so you were at Bonnaroo?
1: I went out, yeah. Um, as we were mastering the record, I was like, oh, it's going be fun to go to Bonnaroo. And so I ended up going to Bonnaroo with the band and hanging out with them.
0: So how far in advance did you know that Nas was going to perform at the Beastie Boys at Bonnaroo? Um, did you know that going in? Probably a few days before, I want to say. Because that was a that was a nice little beastie surprise. They're that playing was, right? Bonnaroo, a huge American festival, and they say to the crowd, look, we got Nas here, and we're going to play you our new song.
1: Yeah, um, that was definitely a uh, very nice surprise for the fans, I would say. Um... I don't think there was a lot of discussion even just like during rehearsals, but I think it came together like last minute to be honest.
0: Yeah, did they how many times did they practice the song? There'll be like
1: at least three, four days of like running through the set.
0: With wait, but that. with Nas? No. Like did was Nas ever in the practice space with them rehearsing no, that no, song? No. Wow. No. Wonder how they figured that one out. Yeah, I don't know. All right, And so, this uh, is one of my favorite songs. Oh, now, now, yes, we're on the same page. I'm with you. Say this it is, is amazing. This is also
1: one of my favorite songs of all time. Just that bass line is I'm so with ya. gnarly. I'm with you, Andre. And that sound in the beginning of the bam, 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 bam. Yeah. That's just guitar feedback cut up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh. Well, two years ago, I said favorite moments of recording Hot Sauce Committee Part Two. And this was the first song that you mentioned. You said you loved how everything came together.
1: This song still gives me chills when I listen to it. And it just uh, brings back memories of when we actually practiced in the studio and how the song came together. And like this bass line came together. It was just like epic and Then Mike came in the next day, and he dropped this uh, fucking chorus on us, and it was just, like, so, so much fun.
0: So Mike Mike came in with the Say It course.
1: Yeah, he came in, like, I think he came in early that, like, the next day, and he laid it
0: down, and we were like, whoa, that's fucking nuts. (laughs) But then you told me that mike and adam wanted to switch up their verses and yalk said no 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 it's good let's leave it
1: oh there was yeah there was a discussion like that and when they did record a couple of new verses especially for verse uh two and then as um as the record was being finalized and people were listening to old demos and uh Listening to the new newer versions, Yow was like, "Oh, you know what? I, I really love how the song flows in the old version." And so we kind of just reverted back to the old version. So and the, not not to take away from the new verses, the new verses were great, you know. But it was just like once you're just used to a certain right, yeah, yeah, way, it's just uh, you know it sounds different. Like a good example of that, I, I actually found in um Easter Boys bald an early demo of sabotage which had completely different verses on it
0: oh
1: and it blew my mind it was it sounded so weird and like cuz you're not used sort of, to it sort of uncomfortable I'm like why <laughs> verse 3 the old verse 3 is actually verse 1
0: <laughs> and I'm like this just doesn't sound right <laughs> So while that song ends, I always thought if the Beastie Boys performed it live, would that be on turntables or live instruments?
1: That song? Yeah um, no probably be on turntables That's Just what cause... I thought
0: yeah it'd be too tough to play live with them all going back and forth Yeah, exactly All right we're on to the uh, Bill Harper collection. Have you met Bill Harper?
1: Yes, many times. So Bill Harper is the band's uh, uh, business manager. And so he has a big
0: record collection. (laughs) (laughs) So um, was he happy that he has his own Beastie Boys track?
1: Uh, Yes, he loves it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But no, was he happy? Because I would be thrilled if I had my own Beastie Boy track. I'm
1: sure he was happy. Um, I never spoke to him about that. Okay.
0: Right.
1: Or uh, okay, next
0: time you see Bill, ask him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Why not?
0: <laughs> all right. So when I was recording my least favorite Beastie Boys songs of all time, "Brouhaha" episode, to me, I. This is like top forty or fifty for me. I love this song, but a lot of people emailed me and said this was one of their least favorite Beastie Boys songs. And I said, "You're freaking crazy! This is so good. It's unlike any other Beastie Boys song." It's totally. It has like this, like, uh,
1: like island yes. vacation, yes, feel to it, and that's actually the band's. Uh, uh, video editor Neil Usatin, who plays the saxophone. Really? Yeah, so he edited a bunch of their videos, plus he edited um, uh, Awesome I Fucking Shot That, Yauk's documentary, um,
0: Gun In For That, that Number, number one. yeah.
1: Yep. And a bunch of the band's music videos. So that's him playing the sax.
0: Wow. Now, did Santa Gold come into O-Scope to record she her did. part
1: yeah she did um, and she told us a funny anecdote of when she was growing up her and her friends pretended to be the Beastie Boys <laughs> <laughs> and would you know pretend that there were singers and rappers when she was growing up and so it was a, such a trip for her to actually be on a Beastie Boys song
0: cause they don't, they don't do it a lot no, like y- You can list off the people who have been on a Beastie Boys song, and it's not a lot. Yeah. What was and the vibe like between the Beastie Boys and Santa Gold? It was pretty awesome.
1: Um, she was only there for a couple days, and she ended up writing most of her lyrics. And this chorus um, actually, once the band left. You kind of stuck around a little bit late, kind of just like looping the beat over and over. Um, and so she was super nice and uh, super fun to work with. And unlike the band, she tracks her vocals in the booth with a nice microphone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Who came up with the hook? Do you remember? She did. She came up with the hook, Don't Play No Game That I Can't Win.
1: Yeah, and I feel like the the lyrics came together after her parts were recorded and uh like arranged and stuff because i don't think the band had much uh like written before she got to the studio like the instrumental was done Uh uh-huh but i feel like most of the of their verses came together after she presented her
0: verses and whatnot. So the instrumental was done. Yeah. The instrumental so they went. just kind of created this light breezy reggae instrumental. Kept yeah, it in their exactly. back pocket for the right moment. Yeah. And also um,
1: the producer Switch also contributed a little bit to this arrangement with all the crazy like Reverse Mm -hmm. echoes and reverbs and the stuttering effects and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, He actually contributed a lot to the production.
0: So Andre, I think if this was on cassette and Hot Sauce Committee Part 2 was not released on cassette, I believe this would be the end of the first side of the album. See, I have the side A, side B, side C, side D. So this kicks off side C, Long Burn the Fire.
1: Oh yeah and so this was one of the songs That was fake recorded Or a fake song Was recorded Um And there was actually like A pretty decent chunk of this fake
0: song That was recorded <laughs> That they sampled from you know <laughs> To me This has that Past the mic vibe totally, Where yeah. each beastie gets their own verse or no, you know it's it's it, has, it also has like that professor booty vibe, where each beastie gets like their own long verse. That's right, yeah. And to me, like when I listened to this album, I thought this has to be played live. Um,
1: possibly. There's not a lot of like live instrument style.
0: No, 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 no. I'm not talking about with instruments. I'm talking about during a live show. Like, oh, the Beastie oh. Boys had to put this on their set list. So.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure.
0: Any okay. any any memories about this in the studio? Because this yeah, is yeah, one so of my favorites on the album.
1: Yeah, yeah, mine too. So this, Long Burn the Fire, is the fake sample. <laughs> um, and they had their friend come in, Nadia, and she actually sang, like... Uh, lead and then I think Adam sang like backgrounds and stuff and then they (laughs) chopped it up, you know, made it sound like it's uh, terminated.
0: That is the fake sample. Now, can you confirm, are there any real samples on Hot Sauce Committee Part Two or is it all organic?
1: There were some songs that were sampled that I think were slated for Hot Sauce Committee Part Three. I think there's, like, a Bob Dylan sample. But it's not, like, a Bob Dylan song. It's Bob Dylan, like, a segment or a snippet of Bob Dylan's, like, radio show.
0: For three.
1: Yeah, for three. I don't but think, nothing,
0: no, I, nothing on two. No samples on two. two.
1: No, nothing on two. Wow. There's... There was a song that... No, I'm trying to think. Just look at the set list real quick.
0: Like they didn't sneak in like a drum beat somewhere. No. Um.
1: No, not not like musical pieces. Maybe like somebody's like talking or uh, you know a snippet of some like speech or something. But
0: there's
1: definitely no musical samples. Okay
0: to confirm that. Was there excitement? Was there excitement about this song?
1: Oh, yeah. There's definitely... This song got um, addressed a lot um, with, like, elements, like, music elements being, you know, changed or added. Um, and then also vocals constantly being uh, tweaked and stuff. Because they wanted
0: to make it right.
1: Yeah, they constantly, like, wanted to um, change the, the verses a little bit.
0: Adrock once got upset with me because I asked him, "Hey, what's what's the pudding? The proof is in the pudding. The pudding's in your pants." <laughs> and he he uh, he entertained it for a bit, and then he's like, "You know it." And then I think he got a little upset that I kept asking him about it. <laughs> that was that. Were you at his uh, DJ gig at the MoMA shortly after this album came out? I don't think so. No. All right, yeah, that's when I upset him. Oh. All right, so now we are on to Funky Donkey. Nice. Like when I go back and listen to songs, I may not pick this one out, but when I listen to the album in its entirety, I enjoy "Funky Donkey."
1: Yep, that's also a uh, a what you're looking at
0: Uh sample from the Beastie. But like they made that sample to make it sound like a sample.
1: I think that might actually be Kathleen. (laughs) Whoa! Yeah, that's a neat tidbit. I think she came in. A little bit here and there to lay down some vocals on, you know, the fake songs or whatever.
0: Okay. No, that's that. That makes this whole podcast worthwhile. That little tidbit right there. Yeah. No.
1: There's so many fun little like things and details that you'll notice if you like. That's the sample. What's that? What's that name? Uh huh. Like we spent. Hours
0: literally tweaking that one three-second thing. (laughs) Uh, What's that? What's that name? (laughs) See, this almost sounds like um, "Pump Up the Volume" from Mars. Yeah. Pump up the volume, but that's not not sampled. Nah. Beastie Boys playing instruments, almost making it sound like a sample. Exactly. And that brings us to the Larry routine. Yep. Which originally. Was on B-Boys in the Cut I know B-Boys in the Cut got cut The Larry Routine didn't
1: Yeah like this is This beat is so fucking tight (laughs) I remember
0: when the Beastie Boys did this live Yeah exactly And I think on the album they said This is from the summer before And I'm like oh yeah like I saw him at Central Park And they did the Larry Routine
1: Yeah But then the lyrics don't make sense but
0: whatever (laughs) (laughs) Quick trivia question for you who is Larry? Which Beastie Boy says that they're Larry? Oh, shit. You got a one in three uh, chance. Take a guess.
1: Uh, Mike.
0: You are correct. Well played, Andre. So, Tadlock's Glasses. Some people swear by this song. They're like, it's, oh, I... it's like top five Beastie Boy song of all time. To me, I think it made my might have been my second least favorite VC boy song of all time oh man i don't know what you're smoking man this <laughs> is so good what? but no, like educate me why why is this but good it's so, i know it's, it's so, like trippy it's trippy it's like s- twisted
1: it's like so unpredictable that this is like an instrumental for a bee it's just so crazy it seems like you're stuck inside somebody's, like, nightmare, but they're rapping <laughs> on it.
0: <laughs> Why is that good, then? I don't wanna be stuck in some, inside someone's nightmare. I definitely do, and I wanna be stuck inside this nightmare all day. <laughs> also, too, when I saw the title, Tadlock's Glasses, I thought it was gonna be a story song, like Johnny Rayal. Oh, true, I could see that. Cause, you know, it's a nice story about Tadlock. He drove the bus for Elvis. Yeah. And then Elvis gave everyone these glasses. He didn't give Tadlock a pair, and Tadlock was all sad. And then the king went up to him and said, Here, Tadlock, you get a pair, too. Uh, song is nothing like I imagined.
1: I can see that, yeah. Um, Yeah, I just love anything that's, like, super weird and psychedelic and just, like, super unconventional. And when the band can, like... Make a song like that and like still make it like awesome. I love it.
0: I like I like it as an interlude, but when people said, "Oh, that's the greatest song ever," I think that's what turned me off. It's definitely not like a classic Beastie Boy song, but it
1: is a classic Beastie Boy song because they're always pushing the boundary. (laughs) I know, I know. Wasn't this wasn't a single though? No, sure. It's it's one of the best sounding like sounding songs on like vinyl because the way it was mixed and like pressed to vinyl the the 808 when it like drops it's so big and yeah, yeah. just like truly opens up
0: alright so this is Lee Major's Come Again this gave me hope that the Beastie Boys were going to get into hardcore again
1: yeah uh, this came together like basically in like a day or two this whole song from the the instrumental arrangement to like the lyrics and stuff and like recording it. The band is so good once they like focus in and like this is the kind of song we're going to make. And it just came together super quick.
0: But what was, do you know what the direction was for this? Because it's not a typical hardcore song because they're kind of rapping on it. So did they say, we're going to make a hardcore song that we rap on?
1: Yeah, basically, um, just going back to getting together at the beginning of the day and just being like, looking at the track list of what the songs are, what we have going on, seeing like, oh, we're actually missing a faster paced song and like, what could be fun? What if it's like, you know, going to be, um... Going back, to, like tapping the old roots and going to making a hardcore song and then rapping on it.
0: Yeah. So, do you think this kind of like scratched that hardcore itch? And do you think they're going to do more of this?
1: Oh yeah, there was definitely a song we were working on. Very, very end, like the um, December of 2011, before the band took a break um there was an old song that uh Yav recorded back in like 2004 that was distorted like bass it was basically like a hardcore song but then mike played drums on it in 2011 and then the band wrote uh rhymes over like they wrote Oh, uh, okay um, so it's going to be a song like, very very similar to this but like written in like two like, different decades and, <laughs> and then they went back and they found this crazy snippet of an old demo from 86 in a hotel room that they made of them just like clowning and just making weird like dub music and they sampled that and threw it into that new song and it was so fucking funny But every time we came across that section of the song, we all just like shit our pants laughing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember the title of the song? The hook of the song? Any words from the song?
1: No, dude, it was so so long ago that, plus all the other songs we worked on.
0: So that that too is in the vault with management.
1: Somewhere in the somewhere that exists where I'm not sure we'll ever see the latter day on that.
0: So when I was younger, I would always watch MTV and they would show the Beastie Boys recording their albums and they had dry erase boards up. And oh, the yeah. Beastie Boys would section those off hip hop songs, instrumental songs, hardcore songs. Did they do that for Hot Sauce Committee part two?
1: No, we just had like
0: a, a
1: big white dry erase board with the whole record. It was like 20, 30 songs. And just like, you know, columns for state of completion. Like, you know, arrangement, you know, it would be an X, you know, versus X, you know, mix, X, or, you know, know, whatever the column label was. I don't remember exactly, but...
0: all right. but you did have a a list. There
1: was, yeah, there was actually two boards, I think. Yeah, there was two. At some point, because the record was... Getting to be like, you know, 30, 40 songs, <laughs> various stations, you know, various states of completion, uh, that there needed to be two
0: boards. <laughs> so, this is multilateral nuclear disarmament. Yeah. I love this.
1: Uh, this is also one of my favorites.
0: This is just such a smooth instrumental. I, um,. I actually used to work around where Yauk lived, and Guy. I bumped into him one day while working. But there was a Chipotle nearby, which I would usually visit on my way home, and they would play this multiple times. Like, I would always really? hear this song in that Chipotle, so I don't know if it was, like, on someone's iPod or iPhone or whatever, but, That's uh, funny. Yeah. It's, it's random, too. I'm like, oh, this is a multilateral nuclear disarmament in Chipotle. Yeah. There's words to this song, but yeah, they're so very hard to make out.
1: They're being sent through a vocoder.
0: With, um, I'm thinking of something right now. Isn't there something where... I mean, are these lyrics... There's something where you have to listen very closely. I don't even know if it's this album. I forget if you like play something backwards or you listen at the beginning or listen at the end, it actually says something. I don't know if it was this song. Like, I don't know know if they're saying something right there. We
1: can make it happen. We can make it happen. Yeah,
0: so that's happening right now, right? Yeah. Okay.
1: But that's being um, spoken or sung through a vocal to the same uh, effect as intergalactic. Not the same exact effect, but the same device, you know?
0: So here's a question for you, Andre. Sure. Album was mixed, was supposed to go out. I don't know if it was the label or the Beastie Boys. They said it sounded kind of muddy and that's when they bring in Philippe Zadar. Correct. So were the Beastie Boys trying to do it on their own and what didn't work with their mix?
1: Oh man, there's so much to to dive in into that.
0: Um, And let me just say we're at Another good one. Here's a little something for you. Here's a little something. All right, so for you you continue, and I, I would love to talk about this song too. Also,
1: also a lot of fake samples on this song.
0: <laughs> now, to like, me, to me, Andre, you might disagree. I think they should have put Nas on this song. Just give them a little portion of a verse. That's where they should have used Nas on this one right here. Possibly. All right. Um, so let's talk about the mix. So the Beastie Boys are like, we can't get it right. We need to bring in Philippe Zadar. Why did they have to bring in Philippe?
1: Well, the first time the record was mixed, it was all mixed in the box. That means, like, it was all mixed um, within a digital audio workstation without uh, an analog console. Okay. So there's there was something missing, like, analog signal flow and... Here's a little Out.
0: something for ya! I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Andre. Continue, continue. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, it was all mixed in the box with, you know, a lot of uh, virtual um, plugins that emulate uh, outboard gear. Still outboard gear, but not a ton. Just because it was Convenient, easy to do recalls. You can just open up a song and it sounds exactly as you left it off. Um, Yeah, it was just something missing from the classic, like, you know. All right.
0: I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus, but while the album was being mixed, I talked to someone close to the family and they said, Thank God we brought in Philippe Zadar because it sounded really muddy.
1: I I would disagree that it sounded muddy, it just didn't sound as rich okay. and big as Philippe made it sound. But Philippe was a crazy madman who would take, you know, a bass guitar and send it to like a compressor, an EQ, another compressor, a limiter, and then EQ it on the board, and then, you know uh, Hit it on the compressor. Hit it with the compressor on the board, and then you know, sitting in the mix. But there's also a stereo bus compressor that's, you know, hitting a tape machine, which makes it super saturated. So all the different uh, stages of audio equipment that each instrument basically hit before hit the tape machine. Um, on the print, it was just. That's was, what gave it. There us was that.
0: a method to his madness. Was,
1: yeah, so definitely a controlled, brilliant, beautiful madness.
0: Yes. Now, please tell me—I don't know what the plan was. Here's a little something for you. Had to be a single off of Hot Sauce Committee Part Two, right? Like if everything was going to go according to plan.
1: It's possible. Yeah. Um, there were so many songs that I I thought were. Single material or you know, gonna be singles, but
0: you know and oh like I would kill to see the Beastie Boys perform Here's a Little Something For You Live. It's oh, like yeah, it's that awesome. perfect perfect for the set list. So totally. this is crazy ass shit. Yep. This is a nice one. And that's actually Who's the kid? Is that a kid?
1: Uh, yeah, that's um. Guy and Davis,
0: Mike's kids. Okay, right, he's super young. The and that little MCA reggae part. There's a there's a clip on YouTube where he says that in an interview somewhere prior to the recording of this song. So that was on his mind. That was something that he had done before. Really? His name is Michael Diamond. Uh, he never learned.
1: Oh, that's right. Um, yeah, that was actually. The chorus of one of the songs, that particular uh, verse or that little tidbit, him Michael Dunn and him never learned. Yeah, on top of it's got a curly perm. <laughs> that was actually the hook of one of the songs that never got released, oh. but pitched up like a like chipmunks.
0: Yeah, yeah. We're coming to the end. I know. Crazy ass shit rolls into the closing track. The Lisa Lisa full force routine.
1: And that's also just... Every time I hear that gives me chills because it's... Yeah. So tight. Classic
0: Beastie Boys. Yeah, the way people rave about Tadlock's glasses, I wish they would rave about this song like that. And I
1: want to say this was actually going to be the end or the outro of one of the songs that got no, what? cut.
0: Oh, okay.
1: That's what in my memory serves. That's, that's what I remember.
0: Yeah, this is nice.
1: <laughs> this is super fun to record. Because everybody did it one by one. So it was kind of like almost awkward doing it one by one. Because... <laughs>
0: So they didn't it do sounds- this one together. No, it was... And that's yes, it. I forgot right.
1: I forgot about the song because I don't... It's not, like, read available.
0: It is, but you gotta, like... Oh. Alright, so the album's done. Now we're getting into the B-sides. B-Boys in the cut. I heard this before the album came out because the Beastie Boys went over to England to uh, promote the album. They met with Zane Lowe and they played this song on uh, BBC Radio 1.
1: Yeah, this was going to be, I think, the first song on the record.
0: Mmm. Mmm. Yeah, this is nice. I, um, for whatever reason i would always bring my music player into the shower and this became my shower song at that point in life yeah so it kept me clean
1: <laughs> that is a good song to
0: shower to it has... <laughs> <laughs> so why was this not on the album
1: i don't know but i was so bummed to hear that that bassline is so
0: good mm. Leon speak Leon Sphinx's teeth, such a great rhyme. And
1: actually, oh yeah, uh Yeah, we, we discussed that earlier that uh Um the Lair routine was at the end of this. Mm-hmm.
0: I should pull it up online. Do we know the original track listing of Hot Sauce Committee Part 1?
1: At some point, I did.
0: Yeah, it I mean, like, I'm, I'm, I could pull it up, but I'm afraid that I'll I'll ruin this whole thing going on right now. So maybe I won't do that. Oh, word. But yeah, like the B, B- boys in the cut was on Hot Sauce Committee Part One, as is the next yeah. song, uh, Pop Your Balloon.
1: Yeah, that was somewhere in the middle. This back.
0: Yeah, so uh, here's yeah here's the Larry routine at the end of yeah. B boys in the cut. Yeah, he's Larry. Harry. Is MCA Gary? Yep. Mixmaster Mike is Barry. And that brings us to the final B-side of Hot Sauce Committee Part 2. Yeah, Pop Your Balloon, is... another one of my favorites. I was I know, shocked. I was shocked this didn't make the final album. I know, me too. It's so good. Like, does it matter... I mean, for me, I was upset, but we're living in a digital age, and I remember when the album came out, you could go on iTunes and just buy B-Boys in the Cut and Pop Your Balloon and put it on your playlist, but it was like, you know, when you have the vinyl, I'm holding it in my hands right now, it's B-Boys in the Cut, Pop Your Balloon, not on here. I know. Bums me also out a little um, bit.
1: I know, the working title for this was Damascus.
0: Damascus. <laughs> What inspired the instrumentation behind this? Because this is also unlike any other BC boys song.
1: Totally. Um, I'm not sure what inspired it, but it was definitely like... Like that
0: Middle Eastern influence?
1: Yeah, like the Middle Eastern like scales and stuff. Mm-hmm. Right? The band is so talented like, that they, they think they do fucking anything. Um, you know, musically, they just have to like put their... Focus on it and they'll make like a masterpiece very, very quickly.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sorry, I'm sort of uh haven't heard the song in years, so it's hearing it again is so awesome, like brings so many memories.
0: There was um before the album came out there was like a 40 second version of this online. I don't know if it was like a snippet in a video game or something. And I would listen uh-huh. to that snippet over and over and over again. So I was, I was so excited to get the full version of the song and the video game version also edited out a lot of the lyrics. Oh. Cause even that know. part, like MCA pressing up 20s by the crate, they edited that out. Cause I guess he was counterfeiting money. And they're like, no, we can't have that on the video game. <laughs> That's so lame. But
1: <laughs> I remember making a bunch of these versions for a bunch of different uh, people, um, like 30 second versions for a bunch of different potential projects or something. I forget. Maybe I did that. Yeah. And I remember Your Balloon, the, the, the hook came together very late. I think I want to say it was something else before.
0: So this almost verges. On gangster rap, but the course is so kid friendly. Pop your balloon. Do you know who came up with the hook?
1: It was Yauk. Okay. <laughs> Again, like very, man. very late he in the game. The on
0: oh wait, wait, well, wait. The sound man almost lost his soup on that one. Are they referring to yeah. you, Andre?
1: It's the yard. It's- oh! There was every day would uh during lunch there would just be some absurd, you know, fart joke or something. That <laughs> We would all just crack up laughing. So yeah, that was definitely a reference for that. <laughs>
0: Did you lose your soup during that song, or they just spliced that in? You had loo- fi- lost your soup fi- at some other point in time.
1: I think I lost my soup literally like 30 minutes before or something, before Mike <laughs> recorded that.
0: <laughs> Do you remember the joke? I don't. Okay. There was too many fart jokes. Yeah, too. I mean, you probably lost your soup a lot. It's, there was a
1: lot of soup spilled.
0: <laughs> well, happy 10th anniversary plus one. To Hot Sauce Committee Part Two. And you've confirmed it on multiple occasions that there's enough material for another Hot Sauce Committee album. That is correct. When are we? Should we do a little pop your balloon action, sneak inside the management office with a smoke bomb and get those recordings back and let the world hear them? We should. (laughs) You wanna do it? Let's do it. Do a little field trip out to, it's probably out in LA, right? Uh,
1: yep, I believe so. All
0: right. Did the Beastie Boys lose anything in the Universal Fire? Do you know? I don't think so. Okay. All
1: All their stuff is in their own, like, vaults and stuff, so.
0: Do we know if we'll ever hear stuff from... I think I asked you this question two years ago, and I probably ask everyone who comes on the Brouhaha, will we ever hear stuff from the vault?
1: I'm gonna say most definitely never. Net why? Because a lot of the songs just weren't finished, and, uh... Everything, um, the band made music as a, you know, as a band, very democratically. So to release something without Yauk's approval would be blasphemous.
0: All right. Now, I, I did see Ad Rock a few years ago, and I asked him about the Jerry Lewis, which is a uh, a lost track from Paul's Boutique, and he said with a straight face, oh, that's coming. And it didn't seem like he was joking.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Like... They released a bunch of stuff when they uh, released the reissues. There was a lot of, like, B-sides or stuff and stuff that never got released that got released then, but those were just B-sides that were finished. So, unless the band, like, agrees to release things, you know, unfinished or maybe just instrumentals, I really doubt that we'd hear those songs ever. And there was a lot of great songs. And
0: you, actually, you got to hear them.
1: I did. I actually, um, I was on one of them introducing the song. <laughs> In Do you remember the
0: title of the song?
1: Yeah, it was crazy. It was like something like versus dragon. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: it was crazy. It was a crazy, like, really unconventional uh, sounding beat with like band rhyming over it. All crazy effects. There's like I want to say there was like a little, almost like a speak and spell toy, like from the eighties that they sampled. Ah, oh. that was like the hug. It was, it was, it was wild.
0: You know, what is wild? All of this is before the, I mean, we had cell phones and everything, but I felt, I feel like a few years after 2011, everything was like recorded and documented and nothing was a secret anymore. So this yeah, yeah. almost happened, like, right before that happened. Like, I feel like if you were recording now, maybe you're, like, Instagramming things and TikToking things, but this happened, like, a little wee bit before that happened.
1: Yeah, true. Uh, and the, the band's always, like, pushing the boundaries, like, one step ahead before it catches on in the mainstream, like... If you look at Awesome, I fucking shot that, that pretty much predates YouTube, which YouTube was like, you know, everybody's like private home TV station or whatever. It's no, it's wild.
0: It's wild. You said that because I saw Awesome, I shot that not that long ago. And I said, oh, my gosh, like the way it's aged, it's almost like more relevant and current now than it was back then. Right. Right. I'm like, this looks like it was made in 2022.
1: Right. With everybody is like on
0: TikTok fucking. Yes. It and, yes. And just
1: pieced together. <laughs> like I appreciate it more now than I did back then. Right. So in that sense, yeah, the band is always like pushing boundaries, like visionaries. And when, when it comes to just creating, putting putting out content in, in music or video form.
0: Well, Andre, thank you for the time today.
1: It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: <laughs> we, full disclosure, we wanted to do this in person. I live in Washington Heights. Andre lives in Brooklyn. That would take like, that's like going to Florida. Oh, yeah. It Enough wasn't going to happen. Bag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, would, you would have had to sleep over. And I said that if you were able to make it to Washington Heights, I think Jeremy Shatton is not too far from us. So we could have had him listen to the album with us. We'll do that for the, uh, the 20th anniversary of Hot Sauce Committee Part 2.
1: Yeah, totally. And then yeah, thanks for playing the B sides because that definitely is nice to hear them after taking such a long break from that. Even just those two because they're not they don't really pop up and like online that often.
0: Because they didn't make the damn album.
1: Yeah, and I'm actually be curious to hear the original. Too many rappers with the old bass line.
0: Hmm. Hold on. Do you got a second? Do you got yeah, a second? Sure. Yeah, I do. All right. This is like over I remember
1: actually meeting Yauk in the studio on like a Saturday to
0: to make this like instrumental. I think I've got the original. Once again, uh, the brouhaha, no one gets paid for anything, but I feel like if we were a paid podcast, this would be one of those like Patreon bonuses. Like if you <laughs> give us $9.99 every month, you get to listen to Andre talk about the original version of Too Many Rappers. So here's the original version of Too Many Rappers.
1: Oh yeah, there you go.
0: So that's just Mike on drums.
1: Yeah, that's actually Yaoq on drums. Oh, One, yeah. Two, three. Three, two this was a crazy line that it's actually Adam playing and and uh, sorry, Yao playing and Adam taking the taking like this crazy effects pedal and modulating it in real time. In real time, as he's playing.
0: Wow, that's like some some Johnny Greenwood shit. Oh yeah. Oh, this is so weird.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so basically, the whole thing got switched out for the the baseline is now the ARP twenty six hundred, but terminated as Yalk was just. Fucking with it, with the pitch.
0: Uh huh. So wait, he was sang. he messing with this line?
1: No. So this. So is he put a whole baseline. he put a
0: whole new baseline. Okay.
1: And that like this is a more conventional like track, right? It's just like live instrumentation, right? Bass, guitar, little guitar licks, and it's cool. And it you know, but then he was like, no, I'm on some next level shit. We're gonna, we actually were mixing the song in the studio. And he's like, no, we're gonna go to the, we're gonna go back to OSCOPE and we're gonna tweak it. And so we just spent like, I don't know, a few hours making that new bass line out of uh, just playing with the ARP 2600, um, messing with the pitch. Because you can't really play that instrument um,
0: easily with the keyboard. I don't know if you're familiar with the r 2600, but it's... So, uh, are you hitting pads on it? No,
1: you're not hitting pads. Oh, okay. So, it's it's a uh, semi-modular synthesizer that you actually have to, like, connect patches. Like, you have to take a wire and out of a patch connect it to a different, like, part of the synth. Like, you have a an oscillator and you have to <laughs> you know control the oscillator to like uh that's, an LFO that's why that's
0: something. why they hired you
1: <laughs> so sometimes it takes like 15 minutes before you can actually get sound out of it <laughs> I don't
0: know if it makes sense to cue up that track again to talk about it <laughs> <laughs> um no I'm good cause like I said this isn't one of my favorites Okay, (laughs) it's one of my favorites because it's so
1: cool and like unconventional and interesting, and the way it was made, like literally last minute, that it's like also the memory behind it makes. No,
0: yeah, like if I if I had your memory, I would probably love it a whole bunch more. Um, But yeah, so this is definitely fun hearing the
1: original and we had a bunch of like singles pressed of this as like like i think on seven inch that we're going to be like giving away
0: did you hey did you attend the video shoot out in tennessee
1: no no i was i yeah i was just at on i think they shot that throughout the day before they got to um like, the festival grounds. Yeah. And I was actually just, like, hanging out at the festival all day.
0: Yeah, so, like, even if you look at the the length of the songs on uh, Hot Sales Committee, this is, like, longer than anything. It's almost five minutes long. Oh,
1: no, it's true. I mean, I don't mind... <laughs>
0: Wait, look, I have, um, did you hear, this is Max Tanone's Too Many Rappers remix off Double Check Your Head.
1: I definitely heard it when he first made this, but I'd
0: love to hear it again. No, this is, this is kind of nice. Ooh, maybe, maybe this is my favorite version. (laughs)
1: i love max he's always doing some crazy (laughs) shit
0: yeah what's max sinone up to these days
1: he's uh he made a really cool like most deaf like reggae mashup record that was like wasn't that a while ago yeah that was a while it was like a few records a few years ago ago. Yeah. yeah I, I made a few things with him I produced like some stuff for him when he put it out during the pandemic and then I collaborated with him and Champagne Jerry on another song I'm not sure if, like, I can't, if that got released
0: but yeah I gotta hit him up to see what he's up to yeah did you ever play uh, softball with the BC boys I played Mike and Yauk never
1: came, but yeah, I used to be played regularly with uh, Adam. You know Glenn still plays. see did they have that? Like, yeah.
0: He called me last year to play, and I think the only reason he called me is because they needed players. Oh. I had man. to wait ten years. I had to wait ten years to get a call.
1: Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you wanted to come. I would have called you. <laughs> <laughs> We yeah, I played a little bit after Adam moved away, but then just um, once I wasn't working down in that area, it just became really hard for me to make the the hours that they kept. Sometimes they would just like start at five, and I would
0: just, yeah. Why well, you yeah? I used to work out. like two minutes from their field.
1: Yeah, you you worked down in like that uh, Tribeca Soho area.
0: I worked. Um, 345 Hudson. Okay, so like what, like Hudson and like... It was like maybe three blocks from their field.
1: Okay, yeah, so yeah, we... Oscilloscope used to be down there too. Well, that, that yeah, that was
0: further south. See, even though this is nice, like the song still feels 20 minutes long. Sure, but everybody, you know, everybody has their like eight bars, so it's like pretty dope. Maybe if the song came out in 1982, I would love it. Sure. When all rap songs were like 13 minutes long. (laughs) What time do you go to bed, Andre? Oh, depends. (laughs) Um, Because we were going to do this yesterday with the start time of 8.30. And you're like, no, that's too late. And I'm like, oh, like maybe Andre likes to go to bed early.
1: Well... I knew that I had to wake up super early uh, okay. today okay. for work, so yeah, it was just gonna be a little late. Plus, I needed to get home and finish a few projects. All right. But, um, yeah. Well,
0: if you wake up cranky tomorrow, it's your fault because you made me listen to too n- too many rappers again.
1: <laughs> too many times. <laughs> <laughs> Cool, man.
0: Uh, well, thanks to you so much for having me on. It was just No, really you got to listen till the end. Oh. You got this 10 more time. seconds. You got 10 more seconds. <laughs> All right, there you go. All right. You're done. You're done. Andre, thank you so much. I'm going to call you in 10 years for the 20th anniversary. Sounds good. Let's hang. Yes. Let's yeah. Hang let's hang. hang. Yeah. Let's hang. What do we? We don't have to just do a podcast. Well, hey, hang. Know, yeah. You got my number. I got your number. Let's. We'll. We'll do something. Sounds good. All right. So for Andre Kelman, my name is Jim Shear, and we will see Yen's later. That's it. That's all. That's all there is. Come on. Yo, we gonna end it on a one-two-three though. Are you ready? One. Two, one, two, three. I guarantee we bring the brew. ha. get your